Welcome to Aim High, Grammar Kingswood's alumni podcast. In this podcast, you'll hear from the voices of students, alumni, staff, and faculty who embody the values of the Cranbrook community. This episode is brought to you by alumni.fm, a CK alum podcast production company with a mission to connect people through stories. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. I'm your host, Robert Lee, and today we have two guests, Elena Hedrick and Clayton Cramp, and both are class of 2015. So welcome, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Excited to be here. And excited to have you here. Thanks for joining. So to kick off, why don't you tell the listeners you know, a little bit about yourselves, where you guys today, what do you do? Sure. Again, I'm Elena. We currently live in Colorado. We live in Denver, moving to Boulder soon, but I'm a research engineer at a biotech startup. So my background, I studied biomedical engineering in college, and then I've been kind of pursuing that track after undergrad. And then I started at Cranbrook in first grade and stayed through graduation, but when was there, not quite a lifer, but almost. So definitely many good memories. For sure. And my name is Clay. also live in Denver, Colorado, and I moved out here for college. I studied computer science and applied math, and I currently work as a software engineer. I work with Earth satellite imagery and kind of making the next generation of software that provides Earth imagery. I'm also class 2015. I started as a freshman, as a boarding student. And yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're just hearing those two titles, because I actually, this is my first time hearing you guys say that. And uh, you guys are definitely in my mind as some of the smartest people I know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> so, all right, Elena, you started in first grade. Clay, you started freshman year of high school. Thinking back to the Cranberg days, tell us a bit more about how you got started and it will go from there. So I started as a freshman entering the boarding high school program. And the reason why I started there was at the time, my family was living in Curacao, which is a small island in the lower Caribbean. And we were about to move to Haiti. And I didn't really want, one, to have my high school experience broken up into two schools. And I also didn't really want my high school experience to be in Haiti, just because I didn't think it would be necessarily the experience that I've always wanted. So I decided to look into boarding schools and try out something so that I can, one, work on my English, because at that time it wasn't super great, and also be in one high school for like a full four years, just so I can get that full experience. My dad grew up in Michigan, so he had known about Cranbrook his whole life. So it made sense for me to kind of go there, and, and we had relatives there. So yeah, it was kind of a natural decision to move over to Cranbrook. And then I started in first grade. I was born in Michigan, grew up there, and my sister wasn't really having a good experience in the current school she was in, and my parents really wanted to find something that would be both challenging, but also a really supportive environment and encourage like creativity and open-minded thinking and arts and sciences. So like just a really well-rounded program. So then they found Cranbrook and we just all fell in love with it. I remember walking around the grounds in first grade, just being blown away like this little kid on this giant campus with all the art and everything and all the flowers, which I'm still, I still love flowers and gardens and things like that. So I remember like the sunken garden by the Cranbrook house was just like a magical place to me in my mind at that time. So yeah, that's kind of how I ended up at Cranbrook. And then we just stayed the whole time and loved it. Stayed for the flowers. Is that it? Yeah. (laughs) Those gardens though, as a little six-year-old were amazing. Even the bog garden by the Cranbrook house with all the turtles and frogs. Like I remember going there with my classes and like learning about all different species while looking at those ponds and things like that. So it's just a really cool place to learn about 
the world, you know, with all this nature and everything around you. So it's a very, very good place to be a little kid too. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. I, I assume it's such a different experience during first grade versus starting high school. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but Corey, I didn't know it came to Prize English. I, I would never have known you were bad at English. Like it did not come across him at all. You know, it was one of those things where it's like in every country that I grew up living in, I went to a lot of international schools. So it was great in terms of the blend of cultures and the blend of perspectives and everything. But in terms of my formal English education, it was always kind of mixed. And sometimes I also learned Japanese concurrently. So it sometimes kind of conflicted with each other. And I remember my 10th grade, my sophomore year of high school, the English program at Cranbrook was the most brutal thing I ever experienced. It was so hard. And every essay I wrote just got destroyed to pieces and just like, you know, read everywhere. And at the time, I was very unappreciative. I was like, hey, I'm trying my best. Like, come on. But retrospectively thinking about it, it was probably everything I needed in terms of like getting up to speed and really learning how to write good essays and things like that. And yeah, so that was a great way to kind of kickstart and prep myself for everything else after that. I remember the English program being brutal, even as learning English's first language the whole time. So I can't imagine so much respect for all the people taking those classes who it wasn't their first language. It was tough. So it's good to know how you guys started Cranbrook. I want to dive a little deeper as alum, you know, what are some of the fondest memories that stick out to you? And before we get into it, I just want to preface it to the audience that you two are being interviewed together because you two are dating. So at some point in this Cranberry experience, some point in high school, your two paths cross. But before we get there, you know, what are some of the fond memories you guys have? For me, probably some of the things I mentioned before with growing up. But then in high school, I think one of my fondest memories was being in Madrigals. So I'm a singer. I still sing in the Colorado Symphony Chorus now. And those memories and being at, in Madrigals definitely laid that foundation. We worked so hard, but it was so fun. It was a close-knit group of people and our concerts felt like a magical experience. You know, we were able to perform in Christchurch, which has incredible acoustics, and Page Hall and the Cranbrook Dining Hall. And just being able to be in such amazing spaces, creating art that we all really, really worked hard on. I remember we sang this piece, Dark Night of the Soul, and we sang it with the men's choir, the women's choir, and also a smaller chamber orchestra in Christchurch. And it was a 45-minute piece. And that was my first time ever doing a piece with the orchestra. And it was so powerful. I remember people were like crying during it. People stood up. It just was incredible to create something like that and do it with such a group of people that I loved in a beautiful space. And that led me to keep doing that kind of stuff. I was in a symphony chorus in college and then still am now. So yeah, that was probably one of the big impacts on my life and best memories. Definitely. It was always beautiful because, you know, a couple of times during the year we co-perform, right? So Clay and I were both in the symphony orchestra and then we had the madrigals come up. You're right. It did make me feel very emotional. I don't know what you guys were saying all the time, but it made me feel very emotional. Maybe we can just, you know, put a snippet of that in here. One quick question, you know, when did you start seeing? Was it because of Cranbrook or something else? 
I honestly don't remember not singing. I was obsessed with Beauty and the Beast growing up. And when I was a little kid, I remember my mom, she would always put the CD on and I would just like sing in the car. And I remember I was, must've been like three or something. And she like heard me singing with vibrato and she's like, what is going on? My little toddler is singing. Then I went to like theater camps and just kept singing forever. It's always been a big part of my life. My dad sings, my sister does too. My mom's dad was an opera teacher. I didn't know him super well. He lived in France actually for my growing up, but you know, it was always just kind of really important in our family. We would always just sing together and have fun doing that. Awesome. Clay, what's one of the fondest memories you have? I feel like my fondest memories are a lot less magical, but very magical to me <laughs> personally. When I think of my favorite moments, I feel like it's making instant noodles in our dorm rooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Knowing fully well that hot water heaters are contraband, but we're just sharing like a simple meal at like midnight, some comfort food. It was one of those like breaking so many rules because we have hot water heaters. We're hanging out in each other's rooms after curfew and all these things. But those are some of my favorite moments when I ever think back, just sharing like a simple meal of shin ramen or whatever and <laughs> talking about something or nothing. You know, we might just be eating and just hanging out and sharing that commiserie and, and camaraderie was some of my absolute favorite moments and really made the bonds come true. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't thought about that for a long time. <laughs> I was also a boarder during my four years there. Clay and I eventually also became RAs senior year. Yeah. The reason why those memories stand out so much to me is that in my childhood, because my parents had traveling jobs, I at most spent about two or three years in every school that I've been to. So growing up, like I spent like a year in a school or maybe as short as three months or as long as three years. And I was always the new student at all these different schools that I went to. And it was always difficult to make really lasting bonds and friendships in the sense that I was always new and it was difficult to have long lasting relationships because I was only there for a few years. Where Cranbrook was different for me was that it was the first school that I spent four years, which is very long in my experience. And I was not the only new student. All the boarders were completely new to the school. So we were able to make this like new bond all together, kind of starting fresh and sharing that meal of hot ramen because the dining hall didn't have what you wanted is so <laughs> such a fundamental like desire. And it's so simple, but so important and some memories that I really treasure. Definitely. I think how it usually worked out was like the Cranbrook lunches were always pretty good. And then the dinners just weren't as good. Yeah. Weren't they always leftovers from lunch too? Sometimes they were. So, <laughs> so that's why we went to the ramen path, which was, you know, thinking back, probably not the healthiest option, but that's all we could think of, I guess. Yeah. Well, Wednesday morning bacon was pretty good. That was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Wednesday morning bacon. And then I won't name names, but Clay, you know, like some people just got plates full of it. Oh, yeah. And bring it full to class. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Geez. Clay, you bring a really good point, though, about community. So like, you know, coming in new and then for four years, tell me about that experience about like by the time you started and to the time you left, how did you go about building that community experience? And then Lena, I'd like to ask you the same question just because you started in first grade. So that community experience might be different. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like it was such a community that really fostered growth in each other. And it was such a constructive group of people, I thought. If I recall how I was and even just like what I looked like and what I did and how I showed myself comparing myself from freshman year to senior year, it's like night and day. 
I grew like 20 centimeters in my four years there for whatever reason. And like just gained so much more confidence and camaraderie and gained so much friendship. And it's just such a night and day difference when I compare what I did, how I interacted with people. And I feel like the community was really what was able to provide that. And a lot of the big motivation why I wanted to be an RA at the time was so that I can kind of keep that moving forward, keep that ball rolling so that the new incoming class can have similar experiences as we had, where we were able to gain such wonderful friendships and trying to foster that kind of similar environment for them as well. Yeah. So for me, it's like you were saying, it's a different experience, but I think one of the things that I appreciated most and really valued about being at Cranbrook was the diversity and the openness to that and different cultures. So You know, I grew up in Clarkston, which is a very Christian town, which is great. It's a lovely town. People are wonderful. But going into Cranbrook was amazing to be able to open your eyes to like different cultures, different experiences. And even in elementary school, I remember we learned about all of the different holidays, all of the different celebrations, Buddhism, Judaism, Hinduism, like all of it. And even before the borders got there, that kind of mindset of being open to different cultures was there from the very beginning. And going through middle school, like more people came in from different areas and especially pulling from the whole Metro Detroit region, whereas like individual communities around Detroit have strong, I would say like cultural centers, but it was cool because Cranberg pulled from all of the different communities. So there's like a lot of people in Dearborn who are Arabic and Indian and Chaldean. And so that was really cool to be at like this melting pot and then going into high school where there's borders from all over the world. That was an amazing experience to go through, especially living in a town that has very little diversity, being able to get that exposure. And I remember when people from my town went to college, they came back with a lot of the new ideas and things that I felt like I had already gotten from a very young age. So that was so cool to be able to really learn about new cultures, hear languages, eat different foods, and just be immersed in this like diverse place within the center of Michigan, which people wouldn't think of as having that experience. <laughs> right. So, you know, on this point of community, let's do a little deeper into that. How did you guys cross paths? Sure. Yeah. So we actually sat pretty much next to each other in AP Calc, which is hilarious because now we're both engineers and it's just like the most nerdy, nerdy beginning story. But yeah, we sat next to each other in junior year AP Calc. Didn't talk like the first semester, but then second semester at World Affairs, I just happened to go to his World Affairs. And that was really where we started talking because it was super cool. And then I like asked him questions about it afterward. And then we started riding the bus together after that. On the bus rides from Cranbrook to Kingswood campus, we had every single bus ride together. Like we just happened to align our schedule such that we're always going to back and forth at the same time. And once we kind of got to know each other, we started taking the bus together to go from campus to campus every single day. And at the time, it didn't feel like a big deal because we're just taking these bus rides together, which are just 10 minute bus rides here and there. But, you know, it would be whatever, four or six times back and forth a day. And when you think about how much time you're talking to each other for 40 minutes a day or 60 minutes a day, rarely in my adult experience do I talk to a single person about personal stuff for 40 to 60 minutes a day. And looking back, those were some great ways to just establish strong bonds and get to know each other. And it makes a lot of sense why we ended up together because we got to know each other. We talked like an hour a day, every single day on the bus rides. And then we yeah, shortly started dating and then have been dating for seven years now. 
Yep. And I remember like going on walks around campus and like, what a cool place to just like, it's just a beautiful place to start falling in love. (laughs) So it was really cool to be able to have that and just get to know each other that way. In high school, everything is so gossipy, right? Like everyone knows all of your stuff. And I think being on the bus kind of isolated it from that. So no one really saw us starting that relationship. So it could be really just ours, which was really special. I remember talking to one of my best friends about, I think I might like him. And she's like, are you guys even friends? (laughs) But it just kind of was happening in the background and definitely worked out, I guess, if we've been together for seven years now. Yeah. Also, I say the same thing because I guess on the border side, when we first heard Clay was saying, it was also a huge surprise to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just didn't think of Clay in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you also made an interesting point because definitely for Cranberry, I mean, you know, not to mention high school, but also just we're such a small student body. It could get pretty gossipy. I mean, yeah, you kind of know everything about everyone at some point. But, you know, super glad to have known you guys and I guess followed this relationship for seven plus years. <laughs> Still rooting. Always ruining. <laughs> so then, I guess with Cranbrook, looking back, is there anything you would do a little differently? And I guess any advice for like current students or, or students that might come in in the future? Yeah. So my thought on that, and this is like not exactly the happiest thing, but I think it's valuable nonetheless. One video I saw recently was that by the time you're 18 years old, you have spent 90% of the time with your parents that you'll ever really spend in your life. And I feel like when I started as a boarding student, that timeline for me got even shortened. High school times for most students, you spend with your parents. But for myself, as a boarding student, I did kind of lose that opportunity. And at the time, we're so focused on on school and you know developing these friendships and new experiences that we forget about fundamental things like family. And when I was there, I had the unique opportunity where my sister started as a freshman when I was a senior. But at the time, I think I was very consumed with just applying to college and getting stuff done and everything that I had to kind of keep track of that I think I really missed out on the opportunity to the last year with my my sister to kind of hang out in the same region. We currently live in different states or sometimes different countries. And I think I missed out on that opportunity to have really important bonds and conversations with my sister and also just my family in general. And I think that those are some things that we forget about and that we don't necessarily take into account and maybe take for granted when we do have those opportunities. So if you are a current student, I just think that that's something that is very important and we should just kind of value that going into your school experience. And if you are an alum, just one of those things that is kind of nice to think about and maybe uh, get to make a phone call or go visit your family once in a while. Yeah. I think I might piggyback on that because even when I was, so I didn't live that far away. I, like my home was in Rochester, which is really just 20 minutes out from Cranbrook. But my parents traveled a lot at that time, back and forth between the US and China. So they had me attend the boarding school. But there was definitely a sense that also from their parents' side, for whatever reason, they didn't want to, uh, I guess, disturb whatever was going on in Cranbrook. But I, I'd say, yeah, definitely take initiative to reach out, say close to family. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'll go to your track and field match or something. And I'm like, nah, you just shouldn't come. I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed. Nah, this, it's not that fun to watch anyway. But retrospective, I'm like, oh, that would have been kind of fun maybe. So yeah, I mean, those moments are precious and those moments are limited. So I think it's really important to live those out to the fullest as you can. Awesome. Elaine, what about you? So I would say that being at Cranbrook is such a unique opportunity. Now I'm far away and like it's hard to get back there. I've seen the grounds of Cambrook and like the art and the buildings and the the weaving and the rooms in art museums. I've seen photos of it in booklets and 
seen this furniture from the same artist who did our furniture at Cranbrook. And when I see those furniture, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of my childhood. And everyone else is looking at it like a piece of art. You know, I'm like, I sat on those in my library. I sat on those at the lunchroom in middle school. So I think just remembering what a masterpiece you're going to every day, you literally, as a student there, you're going to one of the most renowned art pieces in the world and being able to separate yourself from all the stress and all the anxiety of getting into college and all the tests and everything like that and just sit and be grateful and appreciate this beautiful world that you're in and taking time to walk between campuses. I remember there were only a couple people who did that in high school and it was always like, oh my gosh, they're walking. But then looking back, I'm like, why didn't I walk? It's amazing. Even like bring your bike to campus and bike between classes. That would be so cool. Just appreciate the magic. I'm saying magic a lot in this podcast, but that really was what Cranbrook was to me, I think, for a lot of it, aside from the stress of classes and things like that. Like appreciate what beauty and art and creativity and everything that went into that place, because it's a short time that you're able to be there. You won't be able to go back very often. You might only see it in in art museums after that. So appreciate having it right there at your fingertips. Yeah, definitely a good piece of wisdom. And again, you know, not living that too far away and being home for most of COVID. I visit campus probably like once every month (laughs) since coming back. But every time it's amazing, it brings back memories. I think every single time you go back, you realize something different or new about the place, right? There's just so many details, the architecture, the grounds that you never thought about while you're a student. Mm-hmm. I think like the deeper you look to the more you'll see. That sounds like a metaphor or something that's on a plaque somewhere, <laughs> but it's really true there. Even something like all of the doors at Cranbrook are different. There's not one door that's the same as another one, at least from the original designs, things like that. Every single little detail was thought about. And, you know, I think that carries out even as an engineer now, I try to think like that. Like, how can we make every single little detail matter? And paying attention to those little feats that they did can impact you in ways that you don't necessarily expect later on. Right. So, you know, talking about later on, tell me what's next for you guys. How are you aiming high? How are you going forward to serve? Yeah, I work in the satellite imagery industry. And a lot of what we do, or I guess part of what we do, and what I'm really passionate about is things like because we have archival imagery for like 15 years of satellite imagery, we've been doing a lot of work with kind of environmental activism. So we look at satellite imagery over Tanzania and check the rainforest deforestation or growth of forests to kind of help with environmental things like that. We also have done a lot of humanitarian efforts through that. And that was a big reason and drive for me wanting to join this company so that I can kind of be part of that initiative to help drive some of the things that really matter to me and use my technical skills in ways that can benefit society. And I also recently am trying to get more involved into the AAPI community, which is the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. I recently joined as a AAPI leader in the employee resource group so that I can kind of help out any newcomers or anyone who is part of that group and that wants to just meet more people or network or just do more events that are around that to spread awareness, things like that to make a difference and have a a sense of community, have a sense of smaller community within a larger community. So I'm in biomedical engineering. That's my background. So in doing that, community and also wellness are both incredibly important to me. So my kind of motto in my career is like using biomedical engineering collaboratively to like promote wellness. So my current company, we're 
a small biotech startup, but our technology could have a really big impact. It's a research device that quantifies DNA and it can quantify really small amounts of DNA. So that could be helpful with diagnosing cancer sooner and doing a lot more research with smaller amounts of DNA that's much more sensitive. So really in my career and moving forward, definitely everything that I do, I really want it to be something that could benefit the world and benefit people and help in a way that could be really impactful while also collaborating. So on my teams and with the people I work with, I always really strive to make everything as communicative and collaborative as possible, trying to bring in different perspectives from like cross-disciplinary teams. It's really fun at my current role. I get to work with the electrical team and the design team and just see so many different perspectives and try to bring those together to create something and move things forward in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do in a silo too. So yeah, that's kind of how I'm embodying the Cranbrook mottos. (laughs) You guys are definitely serving as inspirations, very purpose-driven work. I can just tell you guys are excited by it. So that's always great to hear. Yeah, totally. It's fun. (laughs) So one more question, which is, well, maybe two. First, how can people reach out to you if there's anything they want to ask you about or just connect? And then two, who do you want to hear next on the podcast? Yeah. Sure. I'm on LinkedIn and on Facebook, Instagram. If it's something more professional, you know, LinkedIn, if it's something more fun about like music and things like that, however, is a good way to contact me. But yeah, totally open you posting the links and stuff like that. I'll put it in the show notes. So check out the show notes for the contact info. Yeah, same here. In terms of people I want to hear from next, I would love to hear from some of the recently retired Cranbrook teachers who are some of my favorite people at Cranbrook. And so I'm thinking people like Fred, who taught Calc BC for me, and people like Dr. Wells, who had just so much knowledge about Cranbrook as a campus, and Mr. Hertz, just all these people that have recently retired that have just an archive of knowledge and experiences that I'm sure they have profound things to talk about. Yeah, that would be so cool. Maybe like Mr. Ladd and Madame Shaw, that's how I approach her, Madame Shaw, but Mr. Shaw's wife. And then as far as alumni who would be really cool to have would be Renee Goldsberry. She was in Hamilton and she won a Tony for her performance in Hamilton. And she was in Madrigals as well. So that would just be amazing to hear from her about her experiences. Awesome. Well, we'll get them on the show. (laughs) With that, thanks again, guys, for joining. Any last comments? Well, if you're ever in Denver, Colorado, please let us know and we'll be happy to show you around. Absolutely. It's a wonderful place to live. We're trying to pull more people out here. (laughs) If you have any questions about living here too. Awesome. Then until next time, thanks again. Thanks. Thanks. This has been Aim High. Grammar Kingswood's alumni podcast. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you could take a few seconds to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. This helps a lot in getting the word out and making the podcast easier to find. For any feedback or guest requests, please send an email to robert at alumni.fm. Thank you so much for listening and catch you soon.